Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Touchdown, Chargers! And greetings, TDU fans, both old and new. And welcome to another edition of the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. For those returning listeners, you will know my voice or my image and my visage as Jack, and I will be your step-in host for today's show. For those new to the show... Our regular hostess with the most is Andy is away gallivanting in Europe with his amazing fiancée, Cash. And I believe he was last spotted at the Brandon Staleyberg Gate in Berlin. So best wishes uh, to their travels over the next couple of months. And I will do my best, Andy, to keep the ship sailing in a semi-straight line in your absence. Of course... And as always, I'm joined by my TDU confidant slash weird cocktail drinker, <laughs> Alistair in Melbourne. Uh, you can find both of us at TDU underscore charges, uh, or myself at TDU underscore Jack, uh, and the same for Alistair. You can also find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or all your major streaming services wherever you get your pa- uh, podcasts from. Give us a like and subscribe rating or a review is even better. Or you don't have to, that's fine. No, but do it we. does really help us <laughs> produce the best show possible for all the Chargers people out there in the Powder Blue Nation. But without further ado, filling the third and most important seat for today's show, we have none other than Carl Di Dominicantanio. Who the H-E double fuck are you? I'm Kyle. Oh, give me those numbers, Carl. Give me them damn numbers, baby. Um, Mate, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Congratulations also on your appointment uh, to the Bolts from the Blue community. How does it feel to be an official slash freelance Chargers reporter fan expert? It's really cool. It's really cool. And I got to say, in that intro, that girl saying that's, that's good, Kyle, creeps me out every time. Don't know. Don't know how to <laughs> You also love it. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> um, it's really cool. It's exciting. Uh, being able to work with Michael Peterson and Matthew Staley has been great. Or Stanley has been great. Sorry. Go right to Staley because that's obviously what we're going to be talking about today. But um, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. It's it for those of us like Al posts on the fan posts all the time. It's kind of cool doing it on their platform because it is different. I wasn't expecting that. And there wasn't exactly like a tutorial on how to do it other than Mike coaching me through the main steps. Uh, but it's it's been great. And I really hope I can continue to grow as somebody that likes to write about the Chargers and football in general. And hopefully at one point, the biggest goal for me is to see if we can somehow get a little media pass access and get behind, yeah. get, get behind yeah. the curtain, you know? 
Well, uh, I think if there's anyone that can do it, Kyle, I think it's you. You're, uh, I really enjoy reading your articles on BTFB and I really enjoy the time that we have together as well. So thank you so much for coming on today. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I can't wait to hear what your insights will be for this 2023 Chargers um, draft class. Alistair, anything to report from your end? How are you going? Margaritas galore, man. You know I'm a cocktail mixer. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I think Andy might be finding himself out of a job just early on this show. You are off to a ripping start as as host. <laughs> uh, Andy and I watched the draft together at his place, as is our want. Uh, for those who pay keen attention to our YouTube, you'll notice this year we did not post our snap reaction to the first round pick of the Chargers, and there might be a reason for that. We thought maybe it was lacking a bit of the energy or juice that we would like to put out there, but I'm sure we'll break <laughs> that down all soon. I know, Jack, you like this part of the draft more than the bit before, like all the throwing darts and analyzing yes. draft. You're like, you know, that's all guesswork. This is where Jack, one of the teachers of the universe, comes to his fore. We now know who the seven new Chargers players are, and we can break them down and see how they fit in our team, which I know you like doing much better. I do, yeah. I think that as much as I enjoy the the prep for the for the draft and enjoy, especially those top sort of thirty to forty prospects, and you, and it you kind of makes you invested um, in other games and other organisations and teams throughout the season. Uh, I love this one because we can the 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 chess pieces have been selected, and now we can actually start to pontificate about how those chess pieces are going to be deployed, which uh, in with inside the organisation, which is wonderful. So. Without further ado, uh, just a quick breakdown of today's show. We're going to be looking at the Chargers 2023 draft class, as we said. We're going to do a bit of a breakdown and analysis of those picks and those players. What I've put together is I've actually put together a little spinning wheel of names. We did have some technical difficulties before, and I had a really nice presentation that had all the uh, the pictures and the, and the players' uh, names. However, we've just gone to a very basic spinning wheel here. I'm going to spin this in a second. It's going to give us a name. There's a little short soundbite, and if you're one of those listeners that listened to our uh, post-draft show last year, I love putting together some little sound bites with the uh, players' names involved. Uh, and then we're just going to have a chat, and that'll last for a little bit. Um, Kyle has also done some wonderful work on some UDFAs that we've signed, so we might have a little bit of a discussion at the end there. And as always, we love to finish off with a game, and we're going to play a bit of knife or spoon or knifey spoony. Now, if you don't know what that is, I'll give an explanation when we get there, but it's always a bit of fun to end the show. So... Without any other messages, let's get straight into this first player that we are going to analyze. So here we go. What is it going to give us? It looks like it's going to be... Darius Davis, wide receiver, 2CU. There we go, Darius Davis. So, Kyle, I'm going to throw to you first... Darius Davis, tell us what's going on, what you think. Let's just begin the discussion. Yeah, well, it's clear we we had a hole at returner, and some argued that fourth round might be a little too early to address that. But this was a team that had basically all of their starting roles filled. Could we have backfilled some strong depth at uh, in the fourth round? Certainly. But if this guy's going to get us, a, if Davis is going to get us one of those invisible yard first downs at the beginning of every drive because of the success he has as a returner, you can see how it could be a valuable pick. And 
if I watch the tape on him and dissect him as a player, I have a little bit of worry about his success at the next level with his lack of deceleration speed. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. he gets yep. he gets to his top gear pretty darn quick. But if you looked at his RAS score in his combine drills, he didn't have the same kind of lateral quickness or agility that we typically like to see out of guys that have that run after catch ability or return ability. Yep. So I have reservations there. But when you watch how he returns, and it goes back to Andre Roberts returning, right? Um, a lot of times the best returners aren't necessarily the fastest, or the quickest, or the most agile. But they're the guys that can read the blocks in front of them, read players, and actually carry their speed without having to decelerate. And then exploding through holes and just making the small micro movements that can get them past a defender's uh, or special teamer's uh, momentum where they're carrying it and just be able to carry their speed. It seems like he can do that really well. It seems like he can read his blocks well. So I'd expect him to be a very positive addition in the return game. And we're just going to have to see what he is in the receiving game uh, on offense. Uh, He'll definitely add a wrinkle, but will he be a Tyreek Hill? I can't see that playing out. I don't see the agility. I don't see the start and stop. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Alistair? Yeah. I I like to think about the process as much as the player. And I think the, the one thing about the, in the fourth round, you're still generally, you can find some pretty good players there. Uh, at positions of need, at high-value positions. And one thing I think you can do as a team to get yourself in trouble quick smart is by drafting players lower than where the... Sorry, higher than where the consensus board has them. Now, PFF has done a lot of analytics work on this. When teams do that, reliably, it leads into trouble. When you're taking teams players too high, you're reaching on players. Interestingly, the inverse doesn't seem to be true. If you actually take a player, uh, you know, lower than when that, where they were projected, it doesn't necessarily lead to good results because sometimes teams know something that the consensus board doesn't. The player may have fallen for a reason, injury or character. But generally, you don't want to be taking players earlier than the board says you should. And in this instance, Darius David was ranked around the 270 player mark and the Chargers used pick 125 on him. So it's a massive reach from that perspective, choosing essentially a return specialist who might be your fifth wide receiver or a gadget wide receiver in the fourth round. So that part I don't like. The player though, I want to make that a separate part of the conversation. I I can see him returning some promising things for the Chargers this year because as as Kyle mentioned, his straight line speed is ridiculous. He did have six total special teams return touchdowns as a returner at TCU, he tied Dallas Cowboy Cavonte Turpin for the TCU school record. And he was essentially the best punt returner in college football, Big 12 special team player of the year. So he has that skill set. He did muff five punt returns. Now that has not been discussed very much. So you need to be mindful of, of that. But I, I do think it was a need for the team uh, as a receiver, I'm slightly worried about his play strength because he is only five foot eight, 165 pounds. What happens if he's getting jammed at the line of scrimmage? I don't know how much he'll be used as a, you know, a slot receiver per se. But for little gadgets and gimmicks in Kellen Moore's offense, he could fit the bill. Um, 
what what do you think generally mm. so far, Jack? I mean, do you do you see do you like the pick? Um, I think you've covered both sides, the positives and the negatives. I think it's really important to separate the player from the pick uh, position. So it's it's fascinating because Telesco walked into this and he was, I heard him say numerous times that this is one of the first times we don't have a dying need anywhere. And I don't know if I agreed with that take from him, but it does feel <laughs> like he, I mean, listen, we'll talk about QJ when we get to him. But yep. this really feels like, oh, we needed speed. We didn't address it in the first two days. So the first thing that we're going to do, day one, oh, sorry, pick one or our first pick in day three is address speed. Yeah. I look at his weight and I worry. And especially when you look at special teams and the guys that we have as gunners and the size of them. Um, but there is something amazing looking at his speed. Alistair, you uh, shared that video numerous times with us about him taking that. Was it an end around all the way, yeah, it's all a, the way it's to a, the it's house? A, Pop pass uh, against SMU that he takes it for 80 yards. And I'll, I'll share a little comment in our description on YouTube for the listeners. But Jesus, the speed there is unreal. It's, it's like his hamstrings are almost going to snap right off the bone. He's straining that much. And he almost had that secondary speed where he's going. It seems like he's going as fast as he can, but then he just separates from the defender. So that's exciting. And when you look at the wide receiver room, this is a fifth or sixth position uh, wide receiver. It's a gadget player. Is it a reach? Yes. But when you look at it, and I'm only saying for this year, because this isn't necessarily a future pick, because if we lose mm. Williams and Keenan Allen next year, and this mm. guy's our second or third wide receiver, I think we're in a bit of trouble. But to complement the wide receiver room, I think it's half decent. Um, Kyle, what do you think is the biggest upside of Darius Davis um, in, in season one? What do you think? Where do you think he's going to make an impact? Definitely the return game. Uh, definitely the return game. But is he a guy that can come in as our fourth or fifth receiver? I mean, right now we've got a pretty crowded room. He's technically going to be six on the depth chart, assuming that Guyton comes in and is strong and doing well. But can we finagle a couple mm -hmm. deep routes for him? Can we get a couple gadget plays? I think so. I think the biggest thing that fans should probably realize with that video that Alistair was talking about and you were talking about is the type of speed he has doesn't really come out else uh, is 40 mm. wasn't a, what a three nine or something like that I, I actually don't remember but it didn't jump out at me right away um, he looks a lot faster on the field than he actually does um, with how he tested. Hmm. So I'm excited to see that. Um, look at it. It's 40. No, right his now. 40 was good. So he was he, the second fastest receiver at the combine and the fastest 10 yard split. So he's got the, he's got it in his body. He's got the, he's got the burst, but even four, three, six, that, that is fast, but he like in that video looks otherworldly fast. Yeah. Right? Like, the camera can't just, keep up. He, he, <laughs> He he, it like like Jack said, it almost looked like he hit a second gear mm. after he got to the end of what would have been his forty. Yeah, he just picked it up again and kept going. So I don't know. There's something really exciting about that for me. Um, so overall, I think all we can expect from him is a gadget guy and hopefully a very plus plus return. But just the, in terms of the possible upside, before we move on, what he did do, which we'll come back to this when we talk about Quentin Johnston in the national title game against Georgia last year, he had five catches for 101 yards. 
That's the most important game of the season in college football, and he showed out with 100 yards receiving. So let's not rule out the possibility that with Justin Herbert at quarterback, mm. Kellen Moore might find ways to use him. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I don't know if he's ever going to be a Tyreek Hill burner because Tyreek Hill's got incredible lateral movement as well. Yeah. But I think the upside, and when you look at, as I said, when you look at the macro version of the wide receiver room, you think about speed, and we've definitely added it. With Guyton coming back, he's probably a more accomplished route runner than Darius Davis is and more experienced. There is speed there. Um, depend. It'll be interesting to see how many snaps Darius Davis actually sees on the offense. Rightio, let's uh, move right along. And it looks like, where are we going? Where are we going? Are we going to get another TCU? No, we're not going to get another uh, horned bullfrog. Diane Headley, linebacker, Washington State. We have got Diane Henley. Diane is a name that I sort of look at and I think of Goku and I think of Dragon Ball Z uh, as a character. And the guy is literally cut up like a Dragon Ball Z character as well, I must admit. Alistair, do you like it? Love it? Do you dislike the pick? We talked about him and his story on our pre-draft show. What say you? Very prescient of you, Jack. You're just something. You must have known it was coming. Uh, And I think we've got to get into American mode and go, Dion. Dion Hanley, he, he's got the personality for days. I like him because he comes from a karate family as well. His family <laughs> ran a dojo. And for the listeners, I did karate as I, I grew up. Wasn't very good, lacked a bit of the fine motor skills. However, he's, he's got that in his body. And, ho- and, ho- and you do see that reflected in his playing style. He's active with his hands as a linebacker. Um, what does he bring for the team that I like immediately kind of jumps out to me? I think it's very interesting that he's in a similar mold, in my opinion, to an Eric Kendricks type, who I think has the ability to be quite an effective pass coverage linebacker. He did show and flash that ability at the college level. He did have the occasional interception. He had four of them in 2021. And because he used to play wide receiver and quarterback he just seems to have some idea with route recognition getting in passing lanes and i quite like the ability for someone like eric kendricks who's been really good at that to kind of groom him and coach him and then in terms of his run defense i think what he's going to be combating some size limitations he's this kind of hybrid safety style that we've seen in in telesco and staley rooms in the past he's only 225 pounds in bit in that you know, Drew Tranquil build. Might struggle to hold up in the running game, but he only had a 5.2% missed tackle rate last season, which is elite. So look, the value in round three for this guy, I think is pretty good. Uh, A lot of people whose opinions I respect thought this guy was, if not the best linebacker in the class, he was one in the the best three, along with um, Jack Campbell or, you know, or uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas. So in the third round, I thought the value kind of lined up with the need. And yeah, I think there's plenty to like there. He also played a lot of special teams in college. And of course, that's a key role when you come in to, to earn your your stripes, as it were. Yeah. Um, Kyle, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my kind of snap reaction, Jack. Yeah, awesome. I think... Um, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there. He's he's got that athletic build. He's that Kendricks. Um, the five point two missed percent tackle rate um, is is elite. 
Kyle, you know, you're a fan of Staley's defense. Remember we did that video a while ago. Look, you're looking at the bare front mm-hmm. and things. What say you on Diane Henley, uh, if you wanted to add anything to Alistair? And how do you see perhaps, um, you know, the early career of Henley and how Staley might deploy him? Is he going to be played perhaps uh, in that hybrid linebacker safety spot in the slot? Is he good enough there from what you've seen? Um, but yeah, take it away. Well, it broke my heart, Jack, uh, throughout the rest of the season after you and I had that video and broke mm-hmm. down how Kenneth Murray gave a perfect rep in Staley's defense, running the gap and a half across a couple different gaps. And then we just didn't really see yeah. it again. So uh, yeah, that was it. That was the pinnacle. egg on my yeah. face there. But um, I struggle with this pick because I really like it. I really like Dion Henley. I love that you brought Dragon Ball Z into this. Super Saiyan Dion is like, wow. Super Saiyan that, Dion. Yeah. Mm, that gets me excited. Um, too bad he's a Power Rangers guy, but both of those were my childhood. So I feel pretty well represented <laughs> by the man. Um, look, I, I don't see a year one upgrade over Drew, um, but we did bring in Kendricks to fill that role. Although I think there was another linebacker we would have preferred to have been kind of phased out mm. of a little bit. Um, I think Kenneth Murray does still have room to grow. I think he still could. He still is athletically everything we would like to see out of a linebacker. Just hopefully his growth trend that we did see at the end of the season continues and he fills in admirably. Um, This idea of undersized linebackers does still concern me because Mm. it's, it hasn't worked. It just, it, it hasn't drew had an admirable season last season and we still struggled in a lot of ways. And maybe that's because Kenneth wasn't holding up his end of the bargain and we needed more out of him, but whatever it is, it's, I just, it feels more of a lot of the same in an area of defense that we really need to improve in. Um, But the player himself, I do think he has a higher ceiling than Drew. I think he has an opportunity to be, great in this defense if we pair him with another linebacker that could be a little bit more stout at the point of attack Mm, yeah Yeah. i think one thing he adds that we haven't had and would have been a glaring omission if we went into this season with merely kendricks and murray is he can sack the quarterback you can use him as a blitzer he had four sacks Mm -hmm. last season so i feel a little bit better about the fact that we potentially have a blitzing uh, linebacker joining as the third linebacker in that room. Jack, I know you on our last show, you had a bit of a question mark. He was your TDU question mark. I think it was about, uh, you know, age amongst other things. How do you feel about it now? It's some time to reflect on it. I think it was, I think I noted this on my Twitter account as well. It was a question mark of spending a first round pick on him. Oh, sure. Or, okay. Or a late, or a late first. If in a situation where we traded down to a late first or an early second, I still think there were other positions that we could have gotten better value out of. Um, but now that you pick him up in a third round and, and you guys have broken down the player, but let's actually look, let's take another mm. step back in what I like to do and look at the character of the guy. Um, I spoke about his past and who his father father is and what his father does uh I, I this is kind of as a future walter payton man of the year candidate you know with the with what his father does um for, for sort of south central los angeles um i love the fact he's an la guy if we if we think about uh the organization as a whole we tried to do it with a guy like young way Koo. we tried to get the uh the korean side of la to come and support the charge that didn't work out very well and he's doing really well in atlanta but you know he brings another 
aspect um, of not only capability physically and as a player, but as a character, I loved him. Listening to him analyze his draft um, a position when he's got his phone call and yeah, he just seems like a really lovely guy. And the other thing, you know, it's clear that Kendricks has come in as a teacher. Yes, he's going to need to have production on the field, but again, we're setting up with a, we're probably one of the more experienced and best linebackers over the past number of years in that room not only to teach Kenneth Murray, but also to learn uh, for Diane Henley to learn from Kendricks as well. So hopefully those three can form a really tight bond and they can learn from one another, um, which is really exciting. So yeah, he was a question mark, but just under the proviso, because I know some people will pick me apart for going, oh, we've got him. What do you think? As you did, Alistair, rightly so. <laughs> that was for a, fir- a late first or early second. So let's go back to our spinning wheel. And it looks like, who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? Ah, here we go. (laughs) Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Ribbit. (laughs) So. a horn frog? It was a horn frog. Yeah, my best. I've never ever seen or heard of a horn frog in my life, but there we go. That was my best impression of one. Uh, we go back to TCU, Kyle, with Quinton Johnston. Uh, before Alistair and I say anything, your initial reaction to the pick, what was it? Um, after we do this, as we discussed, we're going to talk about the draft as a whole, right? So right now I'm just going to talk yes, about correct. the pick, not the other options yep. that they could have yep. done besides that which we'll go into. Sure. Uh, The pick itself was tough for me. I'm sitting okay with it now uh, after looking at the whole draft board, like we discussed, like, hey, let's let's wait and see how this all plays out and see how we do. Overall, it it was okay. Uh, What concerns me, the the thing that I haven't heard a lot of, we've we've heard people discuss the concerns with his hands, the... um, the ability to actually catch with his hands and not his chest. Because when you look at his highlight reel, man, so many of those catches are coming in and being caught on his on his chest protector, on his shoulder pads, you know, right there on his mm-hmm. chest, on his side. And it's one thing to be catching those from Max. It's going to be another thing when you have a howitzer arm coming at you from Justin Herbert. I don't know if you've ever caught in a football off the chest, boys, we saw it live, Kyle, at SoFi. Friggin' <laughs> hell. It's unbelievable yeah. to witness in person. Well, when, when you're catching a football, those things are pointed, right? And if you're catching them off your chest, that can really thump in there pretty hard. And the way Justin throws, he's not he hasn't been a quarterback that players play with and all of a sudden their drops go away. And a big part of that is because he Correct. throws it in so hard. He doesn't he ha- the one thing he hasn't quite developed yet that he could work on is Knowing when to throttle it down a little bit, just get it, yeah. get it, get it, so your receivers can catch it, making an easy catch for them, as opposed to I gotta get it to. That's what concerns yeah. me is is Johnston going to be able to develop that? Is he going to be able to work on his hands, get in that jug machine, crank it up to sixty miles an hour, or whatever Keenan Allen says they do, and uh, to make sure they they adjust to Justin Herbert's hands? He's made some joke about that before, uh, and develop that. The one thing. The biggest positive I have about Johnston is when I heard about Kellen Moore's uh, offense and how much he likes to run curls and button hooks, that was the only time I ever thought we might draft him uh, because that is the strongest part of his game. 
in my opinion. He runs a killer button hook. Most of his yards after catch come from that same move, which is another little point of concern for me, where he does a button mm. hook or some sort of, um, you know, route where he basically plants, stops, catches it, and knows how to look over his shoulder and go the direction his defender isn't and gets gets away from him. I think in year one, it works out great because he's not going to be worried about double coverage. He's going to have Mike and Al, uh, Mike and uh Keenan basically yep, Keenan. Yep. distracting everybody. And he seems like a guy that is good, really good at making that first person miss after the catch. But I don't see him as being as slippery as a lot of people think of him as. Most of that yak came from making that first guy miss, like I said. And then when he actually gets going downfield, his moves weren't as impressive to me personally. Um, yep. But I do struggle when he does have to step into that wide receiver one A one B role, and now might be worried about a blanket. Might might be worried about getting blanketed. Might be worried about a double double team or anything like that. Uh, what do you think, Al? What were your first takes? Yeah, I'll go with my initial impression. Like you, I didn't like the pick. There were maybe, honestly, there might have been six players on the board I would have taken before Quentin Ooh, Johnston. Yeah, and that's least. that's not even getting into the process thing, which we'll break down later with trades and whatnot. But there are two main things I d- didn't like initially. He's not, and this is a bias of mine, he's not the type of wide receiver I generally like. I tend to lean towards players who win with skill, whether it be route running and great hands. Whereas he seems to win with his athleticism and has that explosion in his body. But as you discuss, some potential issues with drop rate and contested catch rate. So he's not the type of wide receiver I usually like. And he played in the Big 12. And we know that defense is optional in the Big 12. So I look at some of his numbers and wonder if there's a bit of a, you know, he's going to have a difficult time coming up against NFL cornerbacks because in the Big 12, there was only one cornerback taken in the first three rounds. That was Julius Brents from Kansas State. And I think there are only a couple of other DBs and they went in like round six and seven. So they're the, they're the bad things. Maybe... I'll throw to you, Jack, on your initial reactions because I want to bring this up, beat listeners, because I've got some good things to say as well about this player now that I've thought about it, had time for it to, you know, gestate. But were you similar, Jack? Were you a bit mm, at the time? Yeah, well, let, let me let me see, bring some uh, some levity to it. And my yeah. reaction, even though it was a negative reaction, I was sitting at school. Uh, I had the draft going on and a couple of my colleagues were sitting in front of me. They had no idea. They haven't got no idea about football. The pick came up and I just said, guys, this is it. This is the happiest I've been at school for a lot. I shouldn't say that, but this is, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, whatever pick we're going to do, it's going to be awesome. We're going to get a tight end. We're going to get a wide receiver like Flowers or um, Smith and Jigba are just gone, which is a bit of a shame. But I was like, this is great. And I must admit when it happened, I stood up, walked over to the wall, gave it a punch or a bit of a, a bit of a slam, and uh, unfortunately, what have our office at school is very open, so there were kids working outside, and one of my colleagues said to me, "Jack, uh, this is the most adamant and uh, emotional I've ever seen you. You're normally so calm." And I had to walk outside, and a, and a student walked up to me and said, "Mr. Reed, are you okay?" <laughs> so. Anyway, um, putting that aside, I had to sleep on this for a number of days. I do like QJ as a as a 2023 player. I think he's going to add some really interesting, uh, I guess, skill and a different look to the room. I don't know how yep. you defend the charges on offense now with the amount of weapons that you have. 
Kyle, just to touch on your point, thinking about how Justin Herbert throws it really hard, you know, you, you are right. He probably has to work on different uh, parabolas of his throws, and I think he's going to get better at that. So hopefully we've met the point where Justin Herbert is improving his throwing ability um, that perhaps the catches aren't going to be such an issue and he can actually, Herbert can process as quickly, uh, quickly to know who he's throwing to, uh, what's happening in front of him, um, and, and throwing the right ball for the right player at the right time. That's a lot to ask of a fourth-year player, but I think Herbert can probably do that. But yeah, throw it back mm. to you, Alistair. Some positives. What do we reckon? Yeah, well, look, you just need to have a look at the 76-yard touchdown he takes on a shallow crosser against Michigan, lined up on DJ Turner, who runs 4.28 or something like that, to know this guy has outrageous yard uh, run, run after catchability. He was second in college football, at an average of 8.9 yards after the catch per reception. You look at the charges, that's something we've desperately needed for years. So in year one, as you said, Jack, when he comes in as a wide receiver, three, he's not taking the best corner, that's for sure. You could line him up in the slot. You could line him up against the third best cornerback for the opposing team. I think he has a real chance to make an impact in year one. How he'll develop the year after that and the year after that when he's playing against better cornerbacks and more is asked of him, well, he'll really need to work on his drops and some some other finesse aspects to his game, route running, those kind of things. But I mean, you can see it's in his body. It bursts. He bursts out of curls. As um, Kyle said, there's a really good one against the Kansas Jayhawks. It's just he turns up, faces the quarterback, catches it, turns back upfield, how quickly he eats up cornerback cushion off the line of scrimmage is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He's there before they even know he's there. So I'm actually quite excited to see him and, and how Callum Moore uses him uh, next, uh, next season. I think he can bring some good things. So with some time to reflect on it, I'm feeling a bit better. What did either of you think? Because I don't know what you've been watching. What do you think about the person? Have you heard any of his interviews or his upbringing? You go, Carl. He sounds like a leader. He sounds like a really humble guy that I, that's what makes it hard to come on these shows and like say anything critical. Um, sounds, yeah. sounds like a great guy. Right. He um, came out and said that his mom is putting his, putting her two weeks notice in uh, the day he got drafted. Oh, I love that. That was awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. And, um, you know, you, uh, Zayna, my wife, loved, uh, his dad's outfit at the draft thought that was he, he was looking <laughs> yeah that was cool that was very <laughs> but cool but he, he seemed like a very you know humble everything was um yes sir yes sir um all throughout the the whole chargers building as he got brought around so yeah i i, I do think they have a you know a guy that is by all sounds of it a, a humble guy that hopefully they can coach up and point out where he needs to improve because, you know, he's not a perfect prospect. For all the things that you guys have brought up, there is a reason that a player of his build, size, speed fell to 21. Uh, there yeah. are holes in his game that we are going to have to work on. But luckily, he has a full year where he can be more of a complimentary player and be used to his strengths before he really has to develop into that complete player that the Chargers are going to need down the road. That's such a key point there, Kyle, I think. And just to round it off, we'll go into the next one in a second. 
But this year is going to be crucial because one of two of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is not going to, well, we think is not going to be there next year. In the teaching aspect side of it with your um, with Kellen Moore, we've really got to prep him to go, you need to make the most of every single second you've got with this wide receiver room in knowing that you are going to be number one or number two next year. So use that, use the freedom you've got here to really focus on your game, focus on what you need to do, which is your catching, get the NFL speed as quickly as you can, because as much as we love the, the um, you know, being able to look over your shoulder and then go the other way, which the DB is going, that doesn't happen as, at that, sorry, I should say that happens even faster at the NFL level. So get that speed, work on those skills, um, knowing that you are going to get a lot of usage in, in your second, third, fourth year. Righty Roo, let's go. Uh, Righty Roo, Andy, that's something I picked up from you, so thank you very much. Who have we got? Who have we got? Who have we got? Who have we got? All right, all right, all right. Max Max Duggan? 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 Quarterback. Quarterback. TCU. Ribbit. 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 We have gone back to the well of TCU with Maxwellian Duggan. Maxwell Duggan. Uh, Alistair, what say you of taking Max Duggan with the 239th pick? Quinton Johnson and Darius Davis's quarterback. What's going on here? I'm going to take a, a view that I think is contrary to most of Chargers Twitter, who ridiculed this pick. I know Kev Diego <laughs> vehemently disagrees with me on this from Bolts from the Blue, but I'm going to put the case for taking Max Duggan in the seventh round with pick what was it? 239. Quarterback is the most valuable position in the sport. It's important to have a backup quarterback. We've seen it. We've seen it for the Niners that you can sometimes take a, a late round flyer on a dude. And if he hits, it brings extraordinary value to your football team. If you are going to quarterback, spending it on a Heisman finalist... Mm. from last season, who led a school that has traditionally not been very good to the national title game and appears to have all of the intangibles that come with being potentially a smoky who could outperform his stock. His dad was a former coach. He, if you listen to his interviews, it seems like he has outstanding football character. He's overcome some incredible things in his life. He had heart procedure and needed emergency surgery after a post-operation blood clot Earlier in his career, he's played through broken bones in 2021 and torn tendons. This year, he was benched and not going to play in week one. Then the starting quarterback gets injured. He comes in and takes them on this magical run. So I know Easton Stick is in the building, but he's no longer on a rookie contract. So the cost starts to slowly increase. Is it the worst use of pick 239 to bring in your potential future QB2 when other plays you could have taken are, you know, Corey Trice. I know a lot of people liked the cornerback from Purdue. It's come out there are real medical red flags on him, which is why he's fallen numerous rounds. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of things you can get upset about in this world. And uh, the Chargers spending a seventh round pick on a dude who seems like a really good guy and might make the quarterback room better, has some rapport with Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis. I just think there are much worse things you can do with that pick. I love him. He's a dog. He's an absolute dog. And I also think that now when we look again at the quarterback room, Herbert has been the junior 
and has been the junior since he started, even though he's the starter, so he's learning. Now you get a player in that Herbert, again, probably still learning. I don't know how much he relies on Eastern Stick to be the Chase Daniel. We know that the Chargers love taking three quarterbacks, but for a developmental standpoint and from a teaching standpoint, when you teach someone else, you actually understand your knowledge better. So when you actually have to take someone and explain things, your understanding of whatever topic it is um, grows considerably. So when I look at it that, and if Justin Herbert can now start taking the lead in um, in that quarterback room, not saying that he didn't before, but actually taking Duggan under his wing, I believe that's a really beneficial relationship. From a that that's something that's you know very ephemeral, and people are going to be, well, how do you know what's going on in the building? I don't. But if you look at it in 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 that way, um, I think it's a it's it's a net positive. I I really like him. What say you, Kyle? There was a new rule proposed by the 49ers that you can have a third quarterback on standby as your kind of emergency quarterback and have him not take up a roster spot. It got tabled in March and is going to be voted on supposedly again in May. And there's, from what has been rumored, a lot of support for it. If that is true, I think it's less egregious. If uh, To be able to have a third guy that we can go to. Now, granted, if they use him like that, he can only be brought into the game if the other two quarterbacks are injured. So it's not like you can just add him as an extra roster spot and then use him as a taste of hell. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So that just does create a little bit more support for it for me. Overall, um, I would be more upset with it if I didn't think we did a pretty good job with our um, undrafted free agents and our signings there because they're, you know, you, even though, like Al said, quarterback's really important and is a position like it's the most important it's the greatest positional value you can get but what isn't the greatest positional value you can get is a third quarterback because they should never see the field and in a win now year you can draft a guy in the seventh round at quarterback or sorry at cornerback at some defensive line position and actually expect them to rotate in um, from the quarterback or Pacheco for example yes yeah or yes a running back can just you know Turn him and turn him and burn him, and then when his rookie contract runs out, you know you're good. But yeah, that's where I struggle with it. But the UDFAs that we did get kind of satisfied that for me. I think our roster is going to be rounded out pretty well when we get to the season. So uh, that made it a little bit easier to swallow. And he's a high character guy. Well, I mean, Carl, would, could, would would you feel better if if after training camp Duggan wins out the quarterback two role? Outright, let's say he performs so well that he's not QB three, he's QB two. In that, in your mind, will that justify the pick or not? Still, not necessarily. Um, you know, Duggan. If we're talking about hypotheticals, could take over Justin Herbert as quarterback one, right? I mean, I, I know that's <laughs> facetious, but I don't. I can't see him beating Stick because of how much Herbert loves Stick. Um, I yeah, and how the charges operate. now to your I think yeah. to your point, Al. Does he beat out Stick for twenty twenty four and make it as you were saying before to where they don't rely on him as their new backup? Totally, like that. That if if we're looking at it in a you know longer form here and say, yeah, it's kind of weird that we're going to have a quarterback three now, but hey, this is our quarterback two of the future. That's a valuable position. We've seen teams spend five, six, seven, eight million dollars on their 
transitionary normally or a backup quarterback role, more like four or five for a good backup quarterback. Yep. But yep. if he prevents well, that, certainly. If if um, if Moore can get creative, and this is kind of us leaning on Lombardi's history more than Moore's, but if Moore mm. sees a role for him on the offense, because he is a great ball carrier. And he's a scrappy guy. Mm. Like, can he be implemented like a Taysom Hill? I don't know. I don't want to project that on him right now. But if that were to happen, it'd be kind of cool. Or is this, a, to round it out, or is this a Staley pick? Maybe Staley secretly is not happy with Easton Stick running the second-team offense against his first-team defense, and he wants more of a competitive edge on the practice field. Who knows? And Duggan is that scrappy player that wants to win. So... In some ways, iron sharpens iron. I don't know. You know me. I love the macro stuff. All right. Let's go to our next pick. Who's it going to be? Looks like it's going to be. Oh, here we go. Jordan McFadden. Offensive line. Clemson. Offensive line. One of my favorite positions. Alistair, what say you of the Jordan McFadden at pick uh, 156 in the 2023 NFL draft? Yeah, I think this might be my favorite value pick of the draft class, I must say. He is a six foot two, 303 pound offensive lineman with 34 inch arms. He started all 39 games for Clemson over the past three years. The first year he played right tackle. And the last two, he played left tackle. Now, why, you might ask, does he not project to an NFL offensive tackle? I think the big thing is he's six foot two. And there tends to be a belief that at that height, you will struggle to survive outside. I also think his foot speed and quickness is a little poor in terms of his pass set Mm -hmm. and that he could be vulnerable to speed rushes. But he is an athletic guy. He was the fourth fastest athletic Uh, 40 time at the combine amongst offensive linemen and he was the fifth in the 10 split so I think in a zone running scheme as a run blocker if you get this dude out in space he could take some souls and we'll come back to that concept a bit later on as well I think with one of our other draft picks but man this guy has those Jamari Sawyer vibes to him one difference with Sawyer is McFadden has never played interior offensive line at the college level, whereas Sawyer had had some experience for Georgia, left guard, right guard, and center. So it's a bit more of a projection. But, man, the quote from Staley was that he spoke to Dabo Swinney and he could not have spoken more highly of this player from a character standpoint. He was a team captain. Uh, It just looks like the type of pick in the fifth round that might age pretty well, I think. What do you reckon, I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. You, I'll go. Reckon, I'll just, Jack? I'll just, I'm just going to jump in before Kyle goes. Um, you noted that the, the 40 time there, and for offensive linemen and for big fellas, you're looking at that uh, that 40 time and that 10 yard split. That normally means they've got power as well, in especially in that in that first. Um, in that first quarter of the of, of the dash there, which I hope and and I wanted to, I really wanted a road grader in this draft. I didn't really want a finesse blocker. That's what I said in one of the pre-draft shows. So for me, I really like Jordan McFadden. Uh, I think the fifth round was a almost. It's going to be, I hope, a steal for us as Sawyer was for us last year. Uh, I love the fact that he gets uh, that I've seen him get downfield. And he's physical at the point of attack. He is a developmental player. He hasn't played, as you said, Elster, guard at the uh, at the college level. 
but if he's a, if he's a decent person, he walks into a offensive line room that is dedicated to putting in work, that is dedicated to development. If you look at um, the, uh, how Pipkins and uh, Slater and Solia and where do they go? What's the what's the the place Duke that they go? Many Weathers training Many Weathers. Um, so dedicated to improvement, and if he's our sixth or seventh um, lineman. Yeah, we're looking okay. Kyle, what do you reckon? I love it. Uh, I think just to give Duke Mannyweather's program uh, its branding, uh, I think it's, I don't know if he actually names it out, Offensive Line Masterminds or OL Masterminds or Masterminds, but it's something like that. And they do churn out some epic athletes. And I... Sign Jack up. Yeah, <laughs> get, get out there, Jack. I'm there. I'm there. I'm almost there. Hey. <laughs> I'm pulling. I'm pulling 400 pounds at the moment, so we'll get there. You go. There you go. I just had the phone. <laughs> <laughs> For all the listeners, Staley, I'm here. I'm For here. All the listeners, Jack is hitting uh, personal bests. That's good. That's good. Um, they uh, I, watching his tape, and I love what love what you pointed out, Al. Um, yes, he has not played at guard or center yet. I believe. My hunch would be that when he was training with Duke, he was working out as a center with him and working on those type of skills because that's what he went to the combine as. He did test and he did take drills as a center. Uh, but when you watch his tape, a lot of what you want to see with from those interior linemen is being able to pick up work, right? Not just being lined up on the edge with your with an edge rusher and making sure you don't get beat exactly. by him. But time and time exactly. again, McFadden showed another level of ability to pick up stunts that you don't always see from those college kids on the outside. Uh, he always was picking up work with his guard. If for whatever reason his guy went in, he was always good at looking for extra work. And he excelled. It, one of the big things you want to see a guard do, or even a center from time to time, is putting out a good, just initial, uh, just a little chip block, a little just something to help his center or tackle win his assignment almost like a short just a very quick double team commitment while working his way up to the second level and even though he didn't um, play on the interior line he did do that multiple times um, on the from the tackle position and that is something that I would look at as a very transferable skill when working as a guard those quick hits get to the second line was one of the best parts of his game from what I saw and I would expect that to continue as a guard. I love that, Kyle. What you just said there is encapsulates so kind of what I guess we would call a quality offensive line. It's people understanding that they're one part of a whole, not just one person with their assignment. And I think that's where previously someone like Trey Pipkins uh, has improved markedly, but you could really show that on that right tackle or when he was playing left tackle, it was the it was the psychology of like I'm just I'm just not going to get beat. I just don't want to get beat. Don't want to get beat. The fact that McFadden brings that looking to attack and looking to work and has the approach of how can I help rather than I've got no one to block. So uh, what do I do? I think that's a really positive way of um, and bit of analysis. So awesome, Kyle. Um, do you want to add anything else, to it or do you want to jump on to some of our next couple? 
I'll just say I love the character in his interview. So this guy wears a pendant necklace around his neck because his his dad died uh, of heart failure when Jordan was 11. He wears that as a memento. He was a team captain. We're actually regrettably going to have another player in our class who's lost both parents at a young age. You see some of these themes emerging from the class around character, team captain, adversity, life struggles that I think we can tease out right at the end of the class. But again, I like the player and I like the person from initial glimpses. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely love it. Rightio, we've got two more left and let's see who the wheel is going to give us. It looks like it's going to be, uh, might be our favourite pick of it all. Tuli Tuipulotu at USC. There we go. It seems uh, Alistair has ejected himself from the seat for a second, which is interesting. Um, that's a first for me. I like it how he's really putting me through the ringer as a host uh, for, the, for the first time in a while. Just decides to disappear. Um, Kyle, what say you of Tui Tui Pulotu, the USC edge rusher, the thick boy um, at 54 there for us? This was a pick that initially I wasn't a fan of that's grown on me a lot. I'm still concerned. There's still points of concern for sure. I mean, I'm always going to be a little apprehensive about a player that has a 31.4% missed tackle rate. I think that's fair to bring Mm. up. Uh, I'm waiting for Staley to kind of turn the corner. And and I think Thule might be this guy because he is really young, even though he wasn't physically imposing. He's not he's not even 21 years old yet, so he certainly could add some muscle, add some mass, and turn into that physically imposing guy down the road. But we just didn't see it initially. Um, I, I love his high motor. I love that he has a pass rush arsenal. He can counter. He can find multiple ways to the quarterback, which is great. I also love that, you know, when we go to a NASCAR package and bring out Mac, Bosa, and Thule, he might be the one that slides inside. We can bring him to the outside and let him play edge, but mm. he's done some of his best work on the inside. Uh, I think the it was the Lightning Round podcast during their draft coverage brought up that he's more of a comp to Morgan Fox than he really is a Mac or a mm. Bosa with you know how what his measurables are, his weight, how he wins, and where his best work has been done. Uh, Do you agree with I, that? I don't have enough of in I don't have enough of an opinion on Tuli to really know Al if I'm honest I mean I I'm happy to say I, I disagree with that I, I I see him I see him as uh Zadarius Smith Trey Flowers your quintessential 3-4 hybrid <laughs> edge who can play on the outside at five tech if he has to outside shoulder of the tackle but has that weird body shape which some think of <laughs> as a tweener where he can stand up in the B gap on third downs and do this stand up linebacker role, which you saw used all the time in Bill Belichick defenses and other three, four schemes. And with Fox, I've never thought he can really play a true edge. I feel like that's just not quite his thing. Whereas I think maybe Tully offers a bit more position flex. And if in the future we wanted him to become the true Khalil Mack replacement, I think he can be that. Whereas I don't think Morgan Fox what would I think ever they be were that. referring. So when I when I look at when I sorry Cole 
I was just going to say, when I look at his body, I see him going and his age profile. I look at him, he could go either way, depending on what he wanted to do, because he is thick, but he's also got a lot of speed and power. And as you noted, Kyle, he's got, I think he's probably got more pass rushing tools than I would consider um, Morgan Fox to have. I think Morgan Fox is probably a better technician inside. But again, depending on where we want Tully to play and where Staley sees him, he could be a stand-up um, and perhaps kick inside for, uh, I mean, some some uh, uh, particular pass rushing packages. But I, I kind of agree with Alistair in thinking that I, I don't really see him playing on the inside like Fox. But it depends. Another like In a pro weights program, in, th- in two or three years' time, he could actually have that body type. So I think it depends where, where the development goes and, and what Staley wants to do. Sorry, Cole, you, you jumped well, in. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think they were – they weren't necessarily saying um, he and Fox completely match up, but that his best role would be sure. what Fox is doing right now, basically. <laughs> In their defense, and me bringing that up from what they said, just that kind of inside B gap, um, three eye tech, um, yeah, and twists yeah. and games. I think he could affect the pass rusher in a similar way. Although I do love, as we've discussed, that pass rush arsenal. He dr- tries that old Euro step cross chop, <laughs> and whenever that, I yeah. see that, I just love watching that when he tries to jump to the outside. Uh, I have a question. Alistair, question. No, I've, yeah, I've man, actually got a go. question for you, Alistair, if you go. Um, is is he going to be able to replace Van Noy's production? That's a great question. That's, that's the question because Kyle Van Noy is not yet signed. Um, is Do you see him being able to replace that? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me at the minute, but I think I feel like he has similar potential to make some splashes, whether it be pressures, probably won't be able to be a drop edge in a similar way as Kyle did. I might not expect Tooley to have the impact in pass coverage. I think he might be a little more limited in that respect. Van Noy was training to be an off-ball linebacker during uh, preseason, so maybe not like for like. And then, of course, there's the veteran leadership angle, right? We've got to be patient. This is a 20-year-old, hasn't played at this level before and has a lot of room to grow and develop. So maybe not quite. What did you think, Jack, about that age? Because I know we were talking about should the Chargers focus on win-now type players in an all-in year? Should they be developed? This guy's 20 years old. How how did that sit with you? I just think... yeah, trust Staley. I mean, the, the I, I can't remember if I actually talked about it, but you know, the sack production from Tooley is 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 one of the best in college football. Mm-hmm. So trust Staley to use this guy, as you said, Kyle, in NASCAR packages or in specialist pass rushing uh, uh, pass rushing packages. I think he'll be able to get the job done, as you say, Mac Bosa Tui, um, and say like a Morgan Fox on a third and fifteen. Geez, you're not going to need to bring almost anyone else. I think there's a, there's going to be enough pressure there generated by those four players. So the the biggest thing at that age, and even though you look at him, he's thick and he's strong, would be are those pass rushing moves going to stand up against a NFL quality tackle? So I think he's going to have to rely on that speed to power um, and the stunts to, to actually get there. But when he's free, you know that he's got that high motor. So I think I think he'll be okay. Second round draft pick, it's again like the Quinton Johnson has kind of had to Forced grow it. on me a, a little mm. bit. Yeah. Um, Kyle, did you want to round off anything here? We can jump straight to I think one more to... question for Al. How confident are you in his ability to 
not just Jack had a great point uh, with Kyle Van Noy. How do you feel about him being able to step up for Mac or Bosa next year, assuming that one of them does end up departing? That's my biggest concern. Hmm. Yeah, it's too hard for me to tell. I'd need to watch a lot more of him and see how he goes this year. But I think the strategy is right. Once that first round pick was a wide receiver, in a sense, it almost forced the Chargers hand that in round two, you've got these two edge rushers who are on massive contracts. Do you know, you've got a player sitting there in round two who had the most sacks in college football and, you know, is from California, you know, lives 20 minutes away from the stadium. I just thought the the matchup made too much sense at that point. It made sense to draft him. Can he kind of take that mantle? Time will tell. Another LA guy, right? Another another Los Angeles guy, USC. Right. Uh, it should be no questions asked about who the next pick is going to be, but it is none other than. Ho ho ho! Scotty Matlock, defensive line, Boise State. Ho ho ho! Yes, I am a Star Wars fan, and that was my best impression of none other than Jabba the Hutt. Uh, Scotty Matlock, let's go straight to Kyle. What are we thinking about Scotty Matlock uh, with pick? Where are we there? We're, we're looking at pick 200 in the NFL draft. Scott perfectly encapsulates why I wish we would trade down and gather picks. Um, he's a guy that in the sixth round, is someone that I, I fully believe is going to be one of our best picks in a, in a while. Um, I think he provides a ton of value as a rotational depth defensive lineman, and his ceiling to me is pretty darn high. You're talking about a guy that in high school earned all-conference honors at tight end, offensive lineman, and defensive lineman in high school. I did throw out that little joke on Twitter mm-hmm that the Chargers found their tight end in the sixth round uh, with the clip of Matlock catching a pass for a touchdown lined up as that bonus offensive lineman at at tight end, essentially. Uh, That was only half a joke. Like he can certainly be a, um, a guy that goes in on a jumble package. He's done it. He's excelled at it. Uh, And, as, you, as I mentioned, he was an offensive lineman as well that excelled at blocking. So he could be a guy that sees a little bit of playing time both ways. Um, he was praised by his coach as being a guy that commanded double teams throughout college, and he still managed to disrupt. Not as much statistically as you often like to see out of draft picks, but if you're being schemed against regularly on a team that doesn't have many other, you know, major threats on the line, then that's that's going to happen. So I I think Scott's a guy that fell through. I He was not on my radar at all after diving into researching him. I think he was a just perfect pick in the sixth round. What do you have to lose by drafting somebody like that, that late? And you have just everything to gain in what he could end up being for this team. Hey, what Kyle, have got, st- what have you got to lose, like- Kyle? What have you got to lose? You lose your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, That's I've got something similar lose. to say. He's a quote machine, isn't he? But St- Brandon Staley described him as a war daddy. <laughs> Kyle, what does that mean that. for us for us Australians? And, and who's oh, your I war daddy? you guys talk about daddies all the time. <laughs> so I... I <laughs> yeah. You're going to throw I, it I, back, I, man. I, I thought you would tell me. I, know, I think that's a fair response. Oh, yeah. 
he like he he I, I like the pick. He's he's a guy who like as you said, Cole. He he seems like he's made of the right stuff. His his brother also played college football. He lost both parents at a young age for different reasons, and it's more of this heart and soul using football as a way to cope through loss. Really de- dedicated to the game. Coaches love him. There've been interesting connections all throughout this draft. So the Boise State connection is obviously the kind of Kellen Moore side of things. He's like the, I think Scott Madlock described him as the goat of Boise State, Kellen Moore. So there's that connection. We've seen Henley and Tooley from California. We've seen like the TCU connection. I think Staley really likes this idea of relationships and family and, you know, those kind of epithets he would apply to his team i like i like the pick in the sixth round jack now like saley's now had a chance to hand pick some of his guys on the defensive line especially we've seen sjd austin johnson tito fox matlock is another guy now he suddenly has his choice of linemen like where do you think he fits in do you see any similarities or trends between him and previous picks or anything about matlock matlock specifically uh, I really like the draft picks and the lesser known players that Staley has signed than I do the top. Austin Johnson, unfortunately, injured himself. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, the numbers wise, I guess, perhaps didn't have the year that we expected him to have as a disruptor and a par- yep. and a run stopper. Uh, but I think we'll bounce back. He will bounce back. He's a great leader too. Um, and Obonia was playing really well, I thought, and was mm. from game to game, if not snap to snap or series to series, you could see that he was developing um, that, that holding those gaps because that's what you want your big defensive lineman in Staley's scheme to do is control those running lanes. Matlock is just another guy that will come in. He's got that dog in him he's got that attitude uh, he's a quote machine he's a war daddy he's a he's a road grader on the other side of the ball i love him i think he's going to really have to compete for snaps i'm not sure if he will start um or maybe even see snaps maybe until maybe maybe halfway through the season i i haven't seen enough tape on him to look at him physically as as kyle uh, alluded to it sort of came out of left field completely for me so uh yeah i i, I really i really like it uh it's it's a real value pick and yeah he's just a really cool guy as you said elsa unfortunately with another sad story um but perhaps you know we're sitting at a, sort of an hour and five minutes now so how about we segue into the let's giving ourselves a, sorry each of us giving a grade for the draft class uh, leaning on to what I just said about Matlock, I'll start us off and I'm going to give this gla- uh, this class a grade of G. And the reason why I'm going to give this class a grade of G because it's for guys. It's for, it's for Staley's guys. It's for Telesco's guys. Overall, you look at it and it's such a Chargers draft. There's connections everywhere. The Quinton Johnson is your quintessential Tom Telesco wide receiver. There is TCU connections. We decide to just grab not only the best receiver at TCU, the second best receiver, and also the quarterback. Uh, but w- when I look at it, and let's be—I'll be serious now here. Um, when I first looked at it, I didn't—I didn't really like the draft. It wasn't sexy to me at all. But upon reflection, and this has taken about a week, and just reading what people have written about the Chargers draft and the value some pundits uh, in the media have perceived us to grab. 
I'm probably going to give this a B plus and maybe even push into an A minus. There's a bit of a misnomer here because I don't think this is a depth draft, but at the same time, I don't think it's a future draft and it's not a win now draft. It's this weird thing. It's a weird draft that sits, there are parts of it that sit in one or both or all three of those categories, but there's no kind of connection between them. And, And that's where I find myself. It's not a shiny draft, but maybe one that was required. So that's where I sit. B plus-ish, maybe A minus. Um, I'll throw to you, Kyle. What do you reckon? So in giving grades like a school teacher would, where a certain amount of the teams are going to get an F because they underperformed a certain amount, D, C, B, A, I can't give them more than a C. It strikes as just dead average to me. Certainly, pick by pick, I would give them a higher grade for the decisions they made. But you lost me at the first round when you decided not to trade back. When you decided not to trade back and gather picks when I really believe you needed to to ensure future success for this team, it just didn't make sense, especially if it's true that all three co- or the three decision makers in the room all had a different opinion on who they should take first. In my opinion, if that is true, that would be like the three of us deciding, let's all go get lunch or dinner. And I let you guys know, when we all had a different opinion on where we should go, grab a really good juicy burger. And Jack wanted to go one place, Al wanted to go another, and then I bring up, well, hey guys, I've got a place we can go where um, I get the special deal and we'll all get a free beer. There's a little more value at my place, right? I would say if we're all indifferent yeah, yeah. and can't make a decision, we should make the value decision and go to the place where we can get a free beer. Today, they tried to, they decided to go with, or this season, they decided to go with one that either Jack or Al would have leaned, and it wasn't the most high value pick in a vacuum. Maybe it will end up working out, but the Chargers continue to make decisions that aren't value based. And when you do that, Eventually, you're going to end up going broke. So that's my only gripe with it. I think they could have very easily done a Jacksonville-like trade back or double trade back where they just move back three, four, five slots, but pick up another three picks in the draft and then kill it. But they didn't. So that part bums me out. Overall, though, I think Mm. we are positioned to have a very good 2023. I don't think we're that much better. In fact, I don't think our roster is better than it was last year, but we were defeated by injuries last year. I don't think we needed to surpass what our roster was last year for success this year. I do still think we're in a win now year. I'm just a little concerned about 2023 Mm. or sorry, 2024. Mm. Yeah, that's where I stand. Al. Yeah, free beers sound good, man. Alcohol is very expensive in Australia, so let's go there, Carl. That's why. That's why I brought you to be here as a brew house, man. I, we got the good deal on beer. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I would grade things as A being great or excellent, B being good, C being satisfactory, then we go below. So I can't give this draft a good because of what you've mainly said, Kyle, but it's just better than satisfactory. So I'm leaning towards B minus. Like you, they lost me at round one because there was a, a look, Telesco kind of gave it away that he could not find the deal that he liked, but 
reading between the lines, it sounds like there was something potentially there and maybe he just overvalues his picks. And and to me, when the Bills came up to get Dalton Kincaid, it tells me that the Bills were potentially interested. And the Bills gave up their round four pick to the Jags to come up two slots. Could we have asked for their third round pick, which was pick 91? What it would have looked like is the Chargers could trade from 21 to 27. There still would have been a Nolan Smith or a Brian Branch or a tight end, a Michael Mayer on the board. And then with that extra third round pick, you're looking at Dorian Williams, Darnell Washington, Michael Wilson, Siaki Ika, Adabare. So I feel like this class looks better if you are taking four players in the first three rounds than, you know, the value of Quentin Johnston on its face. That said, guys who love football, I think we've ticked that bucket. If you, I think most classes are judged on rounds one to three. Typically, it's how you look back and remember it historically. And if I look at Quentin Johnston, Tooley and Henley, I feel relatively good about that trio. I think history might look back and think, you know, those ended up being pretty good players. So I'm not completely out on the draft, but tight end remains not addressed. They didn't trade down. Al, did you you hear about the Bills thinking that we were going to pick Kincaid? They were convinced that we were going to pick Kincaid. So I definitely agree with you. I think they were probably on the phone with us or willing at least to trade up so that we wouldn't pick Kincaid because they wanted him that badly. So that's that's a dropped ball in my eye. Oh, well, we mm. took a guy who drops balls in Quinton Johnson instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Quinton Johnson. I haven't even seen you play yet. It was just uh, Kyle set that up for me. I had to hit it home. <laughs> Um, no, as I think philosophically, yeah, we are all sort of saying the same thing. We don't really know where this sits. Is it a win now, 2023, but we're in trouble 2024. As you said, Cole, the injuries defeated us last year. Perhaps we've added some pretty decent depth to that. Uh, but who knows where we sit? So I guess we're all around the same. Uh, before we go knife or spoon, uh, Cole, you just wanted to touch on a UDFA that uh, we've picked up um, that's important. Uh, who was that? Yeah, if if you follow me on Twitter, uh, it's, I've probably annoyed you over this already, but uh, Taiwan Mullen might be a guy that fills in at that Bryce Callahan spot. Uh, he's a guy that came in and had an outstanding freshman year. Uh, he did have some injuries and stuff later on, and he was used on the outside quite a bit um, where he just isn't as effective because he's a smaller guy. But when you watch him take snaps in the middle of the field, he is so fast twitch. Um, he, sorry, he's from uh, Indiana, and uh, he was a hosier, or however the heck you say that. I'm sorry, I don't know. I do more reading than I do watching. Hoosier? Is it Hoosier? Uh, Hoosier? Is it Hoosier? Who's, no, there's yeah. like a movie Who, on them too. Who's yours? Uh, yeah, who's yours? Who? I love the American accent, Jack. It gets me every time. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel my perceptive IQ from the rest of the world dropping when I hear you, how you guys tell us we talk. <laughs> like, oh no. God. Damn fools over here. But um, he's so competitive and he plays much stronger than somebody for his size, which I believe is right around. He's listed at 5'10". When they measured him, it was closer to 5'8". Um, but he was an absolute physical stud, knew how to pull the trigger when he sees a run read and gets to the ball carrier. Um, 
was able to cover the middle of the field great and was still competitive on the outside. It just there were many opportunities in the reps that he lost. You know, almost always he was in the receiver's hip. He just wasn't tall enough to really make a play on it. So he's a guy, he lined up against Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. And actually in the game that he played, that they played against Ohio State, he still took off and had a good game. But it was all from plays where, you know, Mullen lined up on him. Very good. Mm-hmm. I would say to be a good and wins a spot on the active roster. But from the looks of it, they'd be foolish to not bring him back on the practice squad and activate him throughout the year. And eventually, I think we might see him step into the active roster and make an impact when he does. That is, if they don't bring in a safety, if they, that is, if they, if they do bring in a safety, if they don't bring in a safety, Tylon Mullen might be the kind of guy that gets Jasir Taylor bumped back to safety potentially to fill in that fourth spot. And then he becomes kind of that st- slot star defensive back. So nice. something to watch out for, guys. Very excited about that. Nice. And you're right. We're entering this period. We don't know what contracts that or the, the free agent signings that Staley and Telesco might have had in mind. You know, John Johnson is still sitting out there. Your boy, Bryce Callahan, who knows what's going on with him. So I guess when you're talking about the draft, we do have to think about UDFAs and and in the and what happens in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, righty-roo, listeners, if you're still with us, thank you so much. Let's go to a bit of fun now. And this is a segment called Knifey or Spoony or Knife or Spoon. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. You call that a knife? This is a knife. That's a knife. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. All right, all right, you win. <laughs> I see you've played knifey spoony before. Indeed. This is the famous game of, or well, perhaps the TDU famous game of Knife or Spoon, where handing someone a knife means it's really, really good, slash, or if you're handing someone a spoon, it means it is terrible. So the topic of today's game of Knife or Spoon is the 2023 NFL Draft. We are going to go around uh, in the order of Kyle, Alistair, and then myself, handing out knives and spoons relating to what happened over the three days or before and after of the 2023 draft until we run out of cutlery. So, uh, Kyle, you are first up in our game of Knife or Spoon. What have you got for us up first? First, I have a surgical precision scalpel from the that I'm going to hand the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston Texans aren't normally somebody we give a lot of love to, so I'd like to take this opportunity to do so uh, by applauding them for trading back in other years, trading players away to gather picks. And this year, when everyone was saying, are they going to take uh, – you know, CJ Stroud, or are they going to take Will Anderson? They said, screw you guys, we're going to take them both. And they traded up and took, you know, uh, Anderson with the, th- have the third overall. What too. was that, Al? They had their yeah. cake and, and ate it as and well, As right? I've always said, guys, if you are gathering extra draft picks, I have no problem with you trading up. It's when you only trade up like Tom Telesco does that I have an issue with it. They were the most active team on draft day, um, selecting or executing eight different draft day trades, which was incredibly impressive to me. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out for them. 
But the fact that they were able to navigate the draft board and get their guys, they would grade their draft as a G draft as well, Jack, um, is pretty encouraging. And the trade for Shaq Mason, another smart move, going in, doing something that we don't typically see from Tom, getting a veteran for their young quarterback um, to help block him and keep him upright. It just, it all looked really, really well done to me. Nice. Alistair, let's go. Okay. Okie dokie. I'm handing out my first uh, knife of the day. It's uh, called a sword stick or a cane sword. What this is, is a cane containing a hidden blade within. The sword cane consists of two parts, the hollow cane, the inner blade attached to the handle. These were forbidden, but were a good way of getting around the law in the 18th of 19th centuries. They became a popular fashion accessory. Who I'm handing this to is the new Cardinals general manager, Monty Ossenfort, longtime exec with the New England Patriots and the Titans, who in his first draft as GM has just got this sword concealed because he takes Paris Johnson Jr., the tackle from Ohio State early. That looks like something nice for Kyler Murray, doesn't it? Really nice. But they've also traded back to pick 12 with Houston and they've received picks 34 and Houston's first round and third round picks next year. So if the Cardinals suck this year and Kyler Murray never gets on the field, and if the Texans actually end up handing an early round pick to the Cardinals next year, do you reckon that that pick might not be spent on Caleb Williams or Drake May? Bye beware. I think it looks like they're being nice to Kyler. They've got the cane. But then they reveal the sword and they're going to stick it to that little midget later on after the 2023 season. So that's my f- first knife. Very Jim, good, Monty very Austin good. Now, I've got a little bit uh, creative with my knifey spoonie uh, this, uh, this time around. So I'm going to read this out for you. Very bright was the sword when it was made whole again. The light of the sun shone redly in it. And the light of the moon shone cold, and its edge was hard and keen. And Howie Roseman gave it a new name and called it Anduril, Flame of the NFC East. If people did not know that, that is from the very, very famous trio of books and films, The Lord of the Rings. And I am giving Anduril, which was Aragorn's sword, which was made whole again from slaying Sauron. I'm giving that to Howie Roseman because this guy fucking kills every fucking thing that comes to him, whether it's the draft, mid-season. He's a freak. I love the Eagles and I love Howie Roseman. So Howie Roseman, you are an absolute weapon. Thank you. Kyle, what do you got next? Do you guys want to like start an Eagles podcast? (laughs) because i've got a double-edged dagger uh that i was going to give howie roseman and the eagles for going back to back in essentially winning the last two off seasons yeah i couldn't agree more jack they beat the ravens chargers Bengals, and dolphins in signing their franchise quarterback uh i know they didn't have the fifth year option to use on um hertz like we have but that should not have persuade like persuaded us to stall on signing Herbert in my opinion the fact that they beat us out that the Ravens beat us out that's only going to hurt us and like why I liked the Texans they made six draft day trades like that's 
how we as Chargers fans, you know how excited we would be if we made freaking one? one. And yeah. there they are making six, yeah. uh, including the one that brought them DeAndre Swift, uh, which is pretty darn cool as well. So, Alistair, what do you have for us cutlery-wise? I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to get another knife out. This one's called the Asagai. Asagai. <laughs> Shocking pronunciation. Anyway, which is, a, which is a sharp light spear or light javelin tip that's used in some Southern African tribes historically. Very light, easy to throw <laughs> fast. The Asagai. I'm throwing mine to the Miami Dolphins because they have drafted Devon A-Chain with pick 84. And now if you look at their room, they've got Devin A-Chain who runs a 4-3-2, Tariq Hill who runs a 4-2-9, Raheem Mostert runs a 4-3-2, and the slowest of the four is old Jalen Waddle who only runs a 4-3-7. They have built the speediest little <laughs> team in the NFL. So it's Asagai's all round to Mike McDaniel. Oh, very good. The That's great. They have built an absolute speedy, speedy wide receiver room. Okay. Uh, first spoon coming out onto the table. And again, I'm going to literature for this. This is by the author Siri Mitchell. And I'll read this out to you. This table is a pigeon trap. A dozen different forks and knives and spoons. Four different goblets. All of them just waiting to be knocked over or misapplied and mishandled. It's a wonder anyone is ever tempted to eat. And so I'm giving this spoon to none other than Aaron Rodgers because Joe Douglas used his first round pick on Ed's rusher, Will McDonald. Great pick. Not helping out Aaron Rodgers, though. They used their second rounder on Joe Tipman and their fourth round selection on tackle Carter Warren. But they weren't able to add the high end tackle solution they had hoped because what they're looking at is their lead tackles at the moment are Jets 37-year-old Dwayne Brown and Mackay Becton which was a first-round pick who hasn't really uh, progressed as what they'd hoped. So it's all set up for Aaron Rodgers. It's all set up, but I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers my first spoon of the day. Kyle. So I've got a spork, a plastic-wrapped spork. Australian, that I'm going right? to hand to Tom, Tom Telesco. Is that Australian? Was it, no, it's not. <laughs> We've had this in the past. Awesome. Yeah, 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 go on. Uh, well... There's a little point to it, so it's not all bad, but it is still a spoon in my eyes. And for Tom Telesco, I think um, he kind of operates the team like he's just got a drawer full of sporks. Um, he seems to think his met method is the one tool fits all recipe for success and doesn't really like deviating from it in my mind. Uh, like I've pointed out before, guys, I wish we would have seen some sort of divergence from his path this year, be it a trade back, be it a... Um, utilization of the UFA tender, which I don't know why we didn't bring back a Bryce Callahan. Yeah, great article too, Thanks, Cole. Guys. You wrote on that. Thanks. That yeah, was it, very good. I, I don't understand why Bryce Callahan wasn't brought back for a little over $1.2 million. That does not make sense to me. Um, I know that some would argue that Kyle Van Noy doesn't have a role on the defense anymore, but I still think at his price point, if you're just looking for value, a little over – two and a half mil or right around two and a half mil makes sense all day at the edge position. Um, so that has upset me with Tom. I officially, even though this roster now looks great because we've carried kind of our best of hits from all of Tom's drafts and keep paying them and are yeah. keeping them on the roster. I really question his ability to perform a reload when we lose a Bosa and Allen or both and have, 
a quarterback that's taking up a significant chunk of the cap. Mm. Careful, Carlo. You'll never get that media pass. Uh, but more on Tom Telesco later on. Uh, I, I'll also hand out my first spoon, which is, uh, look, if anyone was watching, it's pretty hard to miss it. It was the coronation of King Charles III uh, in the last 12 to 24 hours. And I, uh, I'm i going to offer up a coronation anointing spoon. And the coronation anointing spoon I'm going to hand is to the Denver Broncos, uh, and it's going to be an ivory white anointing spoon because the Denver Broncos are the whitest defense of the modern NFL era, in my opinion, after this draft. This is a team that have signed Zach Allen in the offseason. They already have Josie Jewell. They have Alex Singleton at linebackers. And now they sign Edge Drew Sanders and cornerback Riley Moss, the first white cornerback in the NFL since Jason Seahorn, I think. So over in the Midwest, Colorado, they, they never met a white defensive player they didn't like. So it is an ivory white ceremonial spoon to the Denver Broncos. I thought you were Broncos. giving your spoon to Charles himself for a second. I almost lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> he actually is a human spoon himself, so he's fine. You're on mute, Jack. Uh, I was going to say, not to get too political... On there, um, I did watch the uh, the coronation last night, and yeah, hashtag not my king, but that's all right. Uh, I'm going to give out my last spoon, and we'll go around to Kyle uh, and, and Alistair for that for your final ones as well. Uh, I'm going to read out another quote from Paul Lieberstein. Soon, the viewer won't even know if they're watching on broadcast or the internet. He'll just be eating his cereal and see an image on the spoon. That's how we'll be watching soon, on spoons. The commercials will be the knives. I'm going to give this spoon to Riverboat Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. I think the way they approached the draft and what they did, I still think they're going to be uh, watching the league on their spoons, the fans, that is, um, whilst the other teams in that division and also around the league are slicing their way to commercial, financial, and Super Bowl success. It does feel, even though their leadership has changed, their ownership has changed, um, it does feel like a season in transition. Um, for the Washington Commanders, who weirdly enough, I don't think are commanding absolutely anything. Chase Young was also reportedly shipped around for a uh, for a second round pick, I think. Uh, they didn't help Sam Howell at quarterback at all. Dotson is a bit of fun. Brian Robinson is, is a bit of fun too. But I think, unfortunately, Washington Commander fans, you will be watching your team like pea soup dripping slowly off the back of your spoon uh, considering the draft they just had. So prove me wrong. I, it's great to see the Washington football team um, commanders, sorry, be good, but I really think you'll struggle. So yeah, that's my last one. Kyle, last one. So my final spoon is her final cutlery item is a soup ladle. And I am handing this one. I know this Al might want to stab me with one of his assortment of knives. Uh, is going to Brandon Staley, uh, <laughs> which is ironic because to his throw is a little. Uh, it might not. That might be a sharp spear thing that you're throwing out, but it still might not pierce. Um, the uh, Brandon Staley, I'm I'm still in on. I just wish I would have seen from his draft picks some sort of variation. A, a, a meaty linebacker beast run defense edge mm. belt was posing up 
I think Matlock is kind of our guy that we have to hope takes off to really improve the defensive line that leads to a better run defense. But overall, I'm just a little, I'm questioning how much we're going to improve in that area of the game. That said, I still think we feel the great roster. I still love uh, our defense and uh, Brandon Staley. So it's a soup ladle because even though I'm a little disappointed in it, I do still want to slurp it up and taste it. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So like surprisingly enough, I agree with you, man, because it's hard to know. The thing is, though, it's hard to know what is Brandon Staley's decision making and what is front office related. And the team's done some weird stuff with linebackers, letting Kaiser walk and then tranquil, but spending relatively high draft capital on them. But then when you hear rumors that Staley liked Zay Flowers and that other people in the room liked Quentin Johnson, it's just hard for us to know without being inside the building what decisions the coach you can always and hear can't John make. saying, but stay, I agree on defense, defense. stay on defense. Like, shut, <laughs> shut up. Stay on your side of the ball. Right. Uh, and that's a nice segue because my final piece of cutlery is staying in the Chargers front office, and you've already handed one out to him, Kyle. But, I mean... This weekend, there was an NFL record 42 draft weekend trades. And Telesco is now, he's now just had his 11th draft, 11 seasons, and it's 11 seasons without a trade down. And I guess you can say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Except the Chargers record has been 48.7% win-loss since he took over. So I'm going to hand Tom Telesco a plastic spoon Uh, They are inexpensive, they're uh, available in bulk, and they're meant to be used and immediately disposed of. However, 11 years into this tenure, and we're still using the plastic spoon. Well, all right. Well, if you're still with us, thank you so much for listening, and we hope we've provided you some analysis and some fun at the same time. Um, Before we do get going... Kyle, do you want to just quickly run through where people can find you, what people can be expecting of you on BTFB in the in the coming uh, sort of months? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at, at the Kyle D and on boltsfromtheblue.com. And I'll be working on, along with um, Mike and Matt, uh, breaking down more UDFAs. Uh, we also have to announce the bolts from the blue draft showdown winner which i already have i just can't get a graphic together that i really like to announce it properly so i'm trying to do it right by everybody but i'm not a graphic designer by any means um but uh but yeah just some more draft analysis is what i'll be trying to do and projections for the upcoming season Nice, man. I'll be eagerly, eagerly watching BTFB for your articles. As I said before, they are a very, very fun read. I love the tone and the way that you write. Informative, fun. Um, so really well done, man. And congratulations again on your post. Alistair, um, what can we expect in the next couple of upcoming shows? I know that you've been busy with a couple of uh, collaborations. Yes. Nothing to be announced yet, but stay tuned, listeners. We have our annual guest series coming up over late May, June, and July. We're looking to lock in three guests. I'm not going to release who they are, but we have some people you will know well joining us in the near future. If you've enjoyed listening to us, guys, it really helps if you leave us a rating when you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, just to push us up that algorithm and so we can can keep bringing content to you for now and forevermore. So thanks again for listening, Awesome. That wraps it. Kyle, once again, thank you so much for your time. It's really, really appreciated. I love doing these shows with you. 
Alistair, love to see you, mate. And to all our listeners, thank you. See you soon on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, 10, 5, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Woo! Good night, good night to all!